0: I'm going to read from the Gospel of Luke in the, in the 22nd chapter, and I'm going to start at the 7th verse. So the elders and deacons pass out the elements now, and um, for those online, get yours ready. 7th verse, Luke chapter 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed, and he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said to him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? He said to them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man be meeting you and bear a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he is entered. And he, and ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, the master saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he showed him an upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found, and he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it is fulfilled in the it be fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and said, Take. And divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine. Until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread. And gave thanks. And brake it. And gave it unto them. This is my body. Which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup. Supper of supper saying. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which shall be shed for you. If you ever noticed at the Passover meal, Jesus didn't have a lamb there. They didn't have a lamb. So it was a Passover dinner and Jesus told them to eat his flesh and drink his blood. So the lamb was there. This is the true lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world at the Passover. And the disciples in in, uh, the further chapters of John said to him, um, this is a hard statement. What do you mean eat your flesh and drink your blood? And he said to them in the 63rd verse of John chapter 6, he said, these words are spiritual, and they are truth. So that tells you it's a spiritual thing that we're doing here today. You're not literally eating his body and blood. You are, you are doing this in remembrance of him. So we're going to eat the Passover together. Just like he said in, the, in this little passage here, this is my body, which is given for you. Let's do this in remembrance of him, especially since it's it's the celebration of the anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for your broken body that brings healing to us, spiritual, physical, emotional. We believe that by your stripes we are healed. And we thank you for remembering us as we remember you. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you." Eat. Behold, eat. Is shed for you. So here we are. We're gonna. This is doing this as a remembrance of the blood that He shed, the same blood that saves you. We're gonna do this in remembrance of who He is. Let's take partake together. Again, we thank you, Lord, for the remissions of our sins that is in the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus, the precious blood that was spilled on the ground that caused the entire earth to shake, the sun and moon to be dark, the veil in the temple to be torn from top to bottom, that very blood that saves us, and we thank you, Lord Jesus. I look back and I say, that was supposed to be my place, and I couldn't do it, Lord. I couldn't do it, but you did it for me, and how thankful I am, and those that love you are, that you did it for us, and all we have to do is believe. Thank you, thank you, and thank you, in Jesus' name, Father, amen. Amen. We have a special speaker today, but before uh, we do, I'm going to bring Jim up here. Everybody knows Jim. Come on up, Jim. We thought we forgot you, didn't we? If, um, you know, if you, the elders and deacons and Brett, if you want to come up, I'd like to pray over Jim. Jim's part of our number. Come on up to the center, Jim. Come on up here. Give room. Jim's been part of our congregation for several years, and he has a traveling ministry. He calls it the Traveling Mercies Ministry. And he spends six months a year, five to six months a year, traveling this country, ministering one-on-one to people and preaching into some churches. Well, he's scheduled to leave like this week coming up. He won't be here next week, and he'll be gone for probably a good five months, maybe not back until, what, Jim? October. October. But uh, I wanted to bring him up and pray for him because he's doing a ministry that there are other ministries doing it, but, but he's doing it, and... You got to admire him. He's been doing it for how long? 20 years or 20 so. Years, you know? 20 years. So, you know, I last when he first came here. He was up in Alaska, <laughs> you know. So, you know, there's nothing that keeps him back. So, we wanted to pray for him. You know, his vehicle's getting a little older now and his trailer's getting a little older and so is he. And uh, we want God to take care of him. So, let's pray for him, okay? All right, Father, in Jesus name, we bring Pastor Jim chaplain jim up here lord to pray for him he's off to do your work the ministry that you called him to do 20 years ago and lord i pray that you anoint him specially for this task lord that you're sending him into he's already anointed lord but i pray that you give him a special anointing a special anointing when he sees people that he'll know exactly what to say and as he sees people they would hear what he has to say that you would open their ears open their hearts open their eyes And to the gospel of Jesus Christ as he teaches and preaches to them. I pray, Lord, that you protect his vehicles, Lord, every moving part, Lord. I pray that you protect him as he drives, keep him awake, keep him praising you everywhere he goes, Lord. Protect him from dangers seen and unseen, whether they be in front of him, behind him, to the left or to the right, or even from above or from beneath. Lord, protect him and keep him in this ministry. And let him, when he comes back in October, Lord, I pray that, that um, he has many beautiful testimonies to tell us of the great work that you have done through the ministry to which you called him to do. Lord, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor in the name of our awesome Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach. Amen and amen. Amen. Receive the receives it. <laughs> So one of us has a part to do, and this is part of Jim's part. He's been blessing us. He's been teaching at the Bible study, men's Bible study, for months. And, um, you know, we're going to be teaching other people how to um, teach at the men's Bible study. So um, if you're a man and you are doing anything on Saturday morning or you want to put God first place, come on out to Freedom Church at 9 a.m., and we got a gr- good group of guys that love the lord um, Brett where's Brett Come on, Brett you also know that that pastor Brett is part of our number you know he started out he started out several years ago as a missionary and of course now he's a missionary pastor and really he's God has moved him up to an evangelist and um, you know, he goes around the country and around the world. How many continents you've been on?
1: I think all six, except, yeah, six.
0: Six. Six out of the seven, because of the, uh, Antarctica. Um, so so um, he's going to teach today. He's part of our number. He goes ministering a lot, so you don't see him every week, that's for sure. But uh, And we miss him when he's not here. But um, he's going to be doing the teaching today. And... Um, I know you'll be. Listen, I got these tracks up here, too. I want you to pass them out. It's a it's a Chick track. It's called A Love Story, you know, by what God loved them. And um, Matt, you want to pass that out when you go? It's stamped on the back in case anybody wants to call us here at Freedom Church. I can answer any of their questions. But even if you give it to the cashier at Publix, it would be great. You never know mm-hmm. what God's doing in a person's life. So, Brett, let's pray over Brett. Father, today we come to you in Jesus' name again the, for Pastor Brett, Lord, evangelist. Lord, that you would use him in a mighty way. Even the tape or the CD or whatever we do online, Lord, as it's recorded, Father, would be anointed uh, 100 years mm-hmm. from today. Father, when we give you the glory, use my Brett in a mighty, mighty way today at Freedom Church in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Good morning, Freedom Church. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Everyone, everyone, uh, feel blessed, feel alive, feel the Spirit of God moving. I love the worship songs this morning. Some of them were new to my ears, some of them were some real, you know, classical hymns. But man, those were some rich songs, you know. Thank you, Brother Maddie, for bringing the worship sometimes we take that for granted you know we just it depends if you're a word person when I first got saved I didn't even know how to sing songs and hymns you know I came from the hood the streets I was a rapper I'm like man what's up with all these how great thou art you know I I could I just wanted to get into the word skip over the worship part I didn't understand the purpose and the power of worship and praise and uh you know if you're a Pentecostal you know, you could just sit there singing songs, amen, all day and start dancing around and jumping and screaming, and you don't worry, you ain't worried if someone's going to get up and preach, you know, you just want to sing to the Lord, and if you're a, a a Mary or a worshiper, but those were some really rich songs, you know, I listen to the songs today and I'm just like, man, are they going to ever start saying anything, <laughs> you know, they just they just start with a little chorus and it just keeps going and going and going until like 30 minutes later, it's just one sentence, you know, there's no meat, there's no substance. Those were some really uh, gospel-filled, beautiful songs. I might, Maddie, can you actually grab me the notes for the the first song you sung? Do you you have them? Cool. Yeah, I might actually use them eventually. Yeah, if you could find them for me. They're just buried. But thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. He's not dead and buried today. He's what, church? He's risen. He's alive. And uh, we celebrate every year. Thank you. Is that the first one? Okay, yeah, that is. That's the one, Yep. So um, it's interesting. The reason I asked for his notes is because a lot of what he sung, I never heard this song before. It's actually a lot of it's in the sermon. Obviously, it's typical, you know, to have a, you know, a resurrection song and a resurrection sermon. But I was seeking the Lord. Pastor Joe asked me about a month ago you know, to come and kind of be a guest speaker for today. And I was obviously honored. I didn't even want to take the role. I I asked him if if he's sure. I'll I'll go for it. But it's an honor. It's a joy. You know, it's a privilege to be here. Obviously, I just want to welcome you guys here today. I see some new faces. I don't... I see some older faces I know very well. I see some new faces. And I just want to welcome all you guys. Um, Also, everyone watching online, welcome to... The Worship at Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I hope you enjoy this message. Uh, I was seeking the Lord about what to preach and what to minister. Again, on on Easter, it's very typical. We just talk about the resurrection, the resurrection. And obviously, it is the greatest event that ever happened in all of human history. We're all here today because 2,000 years ago, the most wondrous uh, miracle, the greatest event that ever happened took place. And it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen, that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and yeah, we are here to celebrate that, and we are here to understand that this isn't just some, you know, fantasy or, or some fairy tale that we preach. This is truth, that Jesus Christ was born, and He lived a perfect life, and then He died a sinner's death, and then He rose out of the grave, which is very, very more than significant, and we'll get into that, but I want you to think about this for, for a minute, uh, what that means to us, what is, what is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what does that mean and how should that translate in, into our lives and apply to our lives, and so I was seeking the Lord about this message, and the Lord told me, I want you to preach the resurrected Christ and also the resurrected life, amen? Amen? You see, because there's something that's supposed to happen when you encounter the resurrected Christ. It's supposed to translate into a resurrected life. Amen? So I want you to take a minute. I'm going to get ready. I got so much stuff here. Forgive me. I'm like an old rusty preacher. I have been preaching a while. I got notes. I got, I, got, I got so much stuff for you guys today. I got verses all over the Bible. I'm going to read from my phone. I got six, seven pages of notes. So get ready. And I want to um, start, if you want to grab your place in the Bible, there's two main places. Okay, I'll give you the scriptures right here. And you can find these and hold your place there and we'll get to these in a minute. So Philippians chapter 2, okay, verse 5 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, that's one key verse. And then we have Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Okay, so Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 11, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Those are just, you know, two of the main places we're going to go. I'm going to not quote, you know, many other things, but I'll give you a second to turn there, and then we'll get into prayer. How does that sound? Let me get my phone notes out here. All right. Everybody ready to roll? You guys found your places? All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray it in. I know Pastor Joe prayed, but every time we open the Word of God, the mouth of God speaks. Amen. And we want to hear what the Spirit has to say. We want to soften our hearts, Lord. So we're just going to seek you right now for a moment. Everyone just close your eyes with me. And online, please join us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before You. We humble our hearts before the throne and the Lamb of God, the only One who is worthy, the only One who shed His blood for the sins of the world, the only One who could redeem and save that which was lost, the only One who could take back the scroll, the title deed of the earth that was lost to Satan, that was lost to the kingdom of darkness, and who could take back the earth and redeem us from every nation and tribe and tongue and by your blood Lord and through your blood we have redemption the forgiveness of sins but God today we also want to remember the resurrection Lord the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that should totally transform our lives God we all have room to grow we all have Room to learn. And so right now, we just make our hearts ready before you. We make room in our hearts, Jesus, that you would come in, King Jesus, Lord of heaven, that you will come in and reign on our hearts. You, you rule the heavens and the earth below and even under the earth, but God, you've chosen to take a throne in the seat of our heart. You, want, you, you, you could have done it any other way but You've displayed who You are through the cross and the empty tomb. And Lord, if Your Holy Spirit would help us today to grasp hold of all that You've done for us, that we would be changed, God. Not, not just hear another Easter message. Maybe there's someone here today who's never heard this gospel, who's listening online or maybe in the room. I pray that they would be saved by the power of Your Word and Your gospel and Your Holy Spirit, God. I pray Your Holy Presence will encounter them right now. And maybe they've heard this a hundred times, and they've been in church since they were five years old, and they've heard Easter sermons all their life. But I pray that Your Holy Spirit will make this fresh and new and applicable and practical and powerful to them. God, that You will speak to us all in the, o- in the only way that You can, God. You speak to our hearts today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, we're here today. It's Easter morning. I want to start by preaching to you the gospel. Amen. <laughs> and I want to preach to you maybe some of the, the missing pieces of the gospel, because a lot of times we we try to, you know, minimize the gospel. I love gospel tracts. I was actually deeply impacted by a gospel track. This looks like a pretty meaty one here, Um, but a lot of times we want to make the gospel these simple little short, you know, 30-second, one minute. You've ever seen those videos? One minute, preach the gospel, and I've actually seen people break it down very well, and and trust me when I tell you I'm going to do a terrible job in five, ten minutes of breaking down the entire gospel to you here, because the gospel is the whole story of God amen. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 and it ends in Revelation 22 and it keeps on going every time someone gets saved, amen. Every time someone gets translated from darkness into light, the gospel story continues. The good news of Jesus continues through your life. And so the gospel is a big story about a big God and his great salvation to a whole lost world. But I want to start by telling you the beginning you see the gospel the good news it starts with God it doesn't start with you falling into sin it doesn't start with you messing up it starts with God you see and see the the good news the gospel means good news and it was a a word that they uh, came from God's spell and it was a message of good news remember when the angels came and they appeared and Mary was found with child what did they say we bring you glad tidings we bring you good news of great joy to all the people so the gospel is intended to be a message of good news of great joy, but it started with God. You see, in Genesis chapter one, verse one, we see the first verse, the first, the beginning of all things. In the beginning was God. Right? Doesn't say in the beginning was Adam. Doesn't say in the beginning was you. And you see, in our in our very self-centered world, uh, everything is about me and myself and I, and everything is about the man in the mirror, and everything is about what's going on in my little world and my little Facebook posts and uh, you know how many people are liking it or disliking it you see but the gospel begins with God the story is not about you guys I ha- hate to break the news to you <laughs> the story is about God amen and Jesus it says in John chapter one I'm just going to quote it in the beginning was the word okay this is actually a very similar language to Genesis 1 1 But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So obviously we see this other person in the Trinity who is with God, but he's not the Father, but he is God, and he's one with the Father. And we know this is talking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was Christ. He was called the Word of God before he became a man, and he was with God the Father in the beginning. And that word beginning, I learned this from Pastor Joe years ago in Bible college, it means before the beginning of time, before the beginning of the world, before the beginning of anything, before the beginning of creation, God was. You see, God was there. And then it, it, it kind of continues, so it starts with Jesus, the good news. And then we go to the birth of Christ. In John 1 verse 14, it says, the word became flesh, okay? Jesus became a man. You see, because God did create a man, and his name was Adam. And many years ago, thousands upon thousands, no one really knows exactly the date, but God created this man Adam, and this man Adam was made in the image of God, and this man Adam had a fellowship and a walk and a relationship with God, and he walked with God in the garden, and God talked to him and loved him and fellowshiped with him, but this man sinned. You guys know the story. This man, Adam, and his wife They took the one thing, the forbidden fruit that God commanded them not to eat. Surely the day you eat this and touch this, you will die. They took it. They ate it. They disobeyed God. They fell from God's glory, and they sinned. They broke covenant with God, and they began to immediately spiritually die. That sin brought death, and that man separated himself from God, cursed all of the creation, cursed all the world, cursed all of his children, cursed all of humankind after him, he himself, that one man, blew it all for us all. So even if you think you're all right, trust me, you're not. (laughs) Your four, four, four father blew it, and he blew it big time, and he crushed us all under sin. And we're all been born into sin since then. We've all been born under this curse. You see, so why did God become a man because it was man who broke God's law, it was man who sinned against Him, it was man who deserved judgment. So God became a man. The Bible says He was born of a virgin. He was born of the Virgin Mary. We see this in Luke's Gospel. We see it all throughout the prophets and the scriptures. We even see it in Genesis. God prophesied that He would send a seed through a woman, and her name, you know, her name we know is Mary. Down the road, God's Holy Spirit came upon Mary. This this child that she was given birth to was not from another earthly man. His father was God in heaven, and this seed came from the Holy Spirit, and God became flesh. Now, the reason Jesus was born, he was born to live a sinless life. He was born to live a sinless life. So, in the beginning was God, and Jesus, the Word of God, and the Word became flesh. But the Son of God lived perfectly, He became the perfect man, the man that Adam failed to be, the man that you and I failed to be. Jesus Christ fulfilled as a man. Yes, he was God, but he became a man. He humbled himself. He became lowly. He became hungry like us. He became needy like us. And he was tempted in every way. And there's some verses here I'll quote to you, but it says, yet he never sinned. He never sinned. Actually, I believe he was tempted beyond what any of us have ever been tempted by because every demon in hell was against him. I mean, you think you get attacked? Imagine if you were the son of God. (laughs) And he was, yes, he was God, but understand he didn't use his powers to serve himself, okay? So he didn't, even though he could have accessed all the angelic powers and he could have accessed all these heavenly, um, you know, powers he had as deity he humbled himself as a man and he lived like us and he relied on the father and the father's will and guidance and the power of the holy spirit to do what he did and he overcame all temptation all manner of sin these this is found in hebrews four fifteen. it says he was tempted in every way as we are yet he was without sin in first peter 2 verse 22 these are verses you can just write down, read for homework. But it talks about his sinless life. You see, because in order for Christ to become a sacrifice for man, he would have to become a man, right? But in order for him to be able to remove our sin, he would have to be sinless. He, he would have to be a, a substitute for sinners. So he himself would have to be spot free, clean, you know, sinless in order for him to be able to take the place of a sinner, So the next thing we see in the gospel is he died a sinner's death. He lived a sinless life, but he died a sinner's death. Jesus and the cross. We all love the cross. We all know the cross. It is our emblem of hope and salvation as we sung this morning. It is the place where sinners were put to death. It it was the place where thieves and murderers and and criminals were crucified and punished because of their sinful acts. This was a, a symbol of you are cursed you broke the law you have committed a crime you've been found guilty and now we're nailing you to this tree we're hanging you naked and shameful so all can see and anyone who sees this would be you know cringing and not want to do what you did but they would acknowledge one thing there's a punishment for sin and it's death right and so jesus in our place he died a sinner's death 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. It says, God made Him, Jesus, that knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was crucified. He was crowned with thorns, as we see here. He was beaten first. He was spit on and mocked. It was an illegal trial. It was a horrific you know, a uh, uh, display of, of corruption and power, the way that they, br- they broke many laws the way they handled Jesus. They took him as a criminal. They, they nailed him to this tree. They hung him there for hours and hours, and he suffered and he bled and he died for the sins of the world. And John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus and the Father revealed it to him that he was the Son of God, he he cried out. He was, I, I mean, John, you know, was a wilderness preacher. He had to use his voice. People would come to him from all directions. And he they, he was out in the wilderness. And, you know, he was known for crying out in the wilderness. That was a part of his ministry. And as he saw Jesus, I could just see him there. You know, and and he begins to cry out, Behold, the Lamb of God, He's here. This is the one of whom the prophets wrote. This is the one of whom... I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I could just see him crying out. Have you beheld the Lamb of God? You see, this morning, I come to you preaching one thing, Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ. At Freedom Church, you're not going to hear Brett preach himself. Or Pastor Joe preach himself. And your testimony is great, but there's no testimony greater than the blood of Jesus. Amen? There's no no message that's more powerful than Jesus Christ and Him crucifying. But that's not where it ended. Amen, guys? What happened next? What's the next part of the story? Jesus was crucified and died. They buried Him in a tomb, but then what? Come on, Easter Sunday, guys. Get with the program. (laughs) Get with the program. Let's go. He rose again. Hallelujah. Jesus died, but He rose. So He In the beginning was God, and Christ was with him, the Son, the Word of God. And then he was born and became flesh, and he lived a sinless life, and he died a sinner's death. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave on three days as he prophesied it three times. Take this temple and destroy it, and I'll raise it again in three days. Take this body. Three days later, I'll rise again. He rose himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They rose Jesus out of that grave. the tomb was opened by angels angelic presence came down they shifted the whole atmosphere the you know the the roman guards watching the tomb fell like dead men they couldn't handle the glory of god they the angels threw the stone so so scholars suggest and the stone was launched from the tomb jesus didn't need him to do that but it was just a it was just a moment of glorification the angels were making a statement amen he didn't need them to move the stone come on he's the son of god he created the stone he could have just been like move it would have moved just like when he told the winds and waves be still he it would have obeyed him okay guys but the angels came to make a statement and he rose out of the grave and he was seen by everyone so many people not the whole world but he was seen by his enemies the romans witnessed the resurrection when the angels came down but they couldn't take it it was too glor, it was too glorious so they fell over like dead men His followers saw Him risen many different places in the Gospels. We see after He rose, He encountered the disciples. He would appear in the room. He would eat with them. He would have, you know, uh, fellowship with them just like He did before His death. It even says uh, that 500 plus of the disciples at one time, you know, this is in Luke 24, He gathered them to the Mount of Olives. I've actually been to this site. It's really amazing over in Israel where you... You can go up on this Mount of Olives. And Jesus often went there and he preached there. And um, it's a beautiful scene because you can see the whole city. You can see the whole, you know, Jerusalem. You can see the temple. Like if you go at the top, you can look and it's like a valley right below you. You can see the whole city. I imagine that's one of the reasons he went there. But he took his disciples there and he preached to them the Great Commission. This was after he rose again. He preached to them the Great Commission and there was over 500 of his followers seeing the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Visibly eyewitness, firsthand eyewitness, but that's not where the story ends. And I find it often. We, we know all these points, you know, we know the birth and the life and the death of Christ and we, we, we celebrate the resurrection, But what happened next? I want to ask you. What what was next after the resurrection? Because this is a very missed yet important part of the gospel message. You see, if you read in Luke 24, Jesus ascended on high. So after he rose, he returned from where he came from. Remember, in the beginning was what? God. God. And in the beginning was what? The Word of God. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And when He was born, where did He come from? God. You see, and the ascension is a very important part of the story because where does He return to? It's to the Father, where He came from. And a lot of times we miss the ascension as if it's just some kind of, you know, uh, you know exclamation point or little addition to the story. But it says in Luke 24, 51, it says, He was carried up into heaven, into the clouds, as he was preaching to them, he was taken back up from where he came from. We call it the ascension. Does anyone know what happens after that? What happens after that? <laughs> There's another part of the story, you see. And we often miss this, and this is all leading to where I'm going. But this is Resurrection Sunday. But understand the, the whole purpose of the resurrection, guys. The reason Jesus was risen, the reason he was taken out of the grave was so that he could go to a new place. He, he, he didn't stay in the grave because he had somewhere else he was destined to be. You know where that was? The throne of God. After he ascended on high, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is the very, very important, almost, almost the, the missing piece in our lives in our hearts and in our minds, in the reality of the way we live as Christians, and the missing piece in our gospel message, Jesus was seated... At the right hand of God the Father. And he was given all authority and all power and all dominion in both heaven and on earth. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care what happens in the election 2024. I don't care what corrupt government's doing this and that. And what LGBT communities are doing to our kids. I know who's on the throne, you see. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. Someone say hallelujah. And the Bible says, the Word of God, if you follow the whole story. This is why I was trying to bring you the whole story, you know. It says, all power and glory and honor and majesty and dominion and authority has been given to Him. You see, that's the final point I'm trying to make. And if you read uh, Philippians 2, let's go ahead and go there. That was our key verse. We're going to go ahead and read this. Everything I just talked about. You know, Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, the ascension. We're gonna read this in a in a context here, okay? So Philippians two, verse five, the humbled and exalted Christ. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, remember in the beginning was God. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was God. But he made himself of no reputation. What's that? He became a man, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He lived a sinless life and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. There it is. He died the sinner's death. Therefore, what? It doesn't stop there, though. What happened? God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To what? To the glory of God the Father. Amen? You see the whole picture there? You see the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, but you also see the ascension the the glorification of Jesus Christ. It all lines up. You see, and there's more to the story. (laughs) There's even more than that. Jesus, one day, He's going to get off of that throne in heaven and He's going to return, amen? He's going to come back. We call it the return of Christ, the return of the King. And He's going to take up His bride the same way He was carried up into heaven. He's going to carry up His church In a rapture, and he's gonna return to judge the nations with the angels and the saints and to destroy the wicked. But see, I don't have time to go into all that. (laughs) I can't go into that whole story. That's a whole nother sermon. But you see, there's a bigger story, guys. There's a bigger picture I want you to grasp. And I want us to stop for a moment and think about the ascension, okay? I know we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. It's Easter Sunday. But the fact is, the gospel didn't stop at the resurrection. And I want, as Christians, us all to see the importance of the ascension of Christ today. You see, because imagine if Jesus never ascended. Imagine if he just rose and he just resurrected. But he never took his rightful place in heaven and on his throne. He never took his rightful place as king of glory, as king of all creation, as Savior, as Redeemer. You see, His ascension was very key. We call this uh, Christ ascending or taking the throne of God. We call this, the Bible calls it, the exaltation of Christ. The exaltation of Christ. I encourage you to dig into this. I encourage you to understand where we're going with this. But this is so important, church. Listen to me. And it's such a key in our lives. It's such an important key that we need to grasp it. If we don't grasp it, we're going to be like Lazarus-type Christians. You know what that means? We're going to be like Lazarus. We're we're, we're given new life. We've been resurrected from the dead, from sin, but we're walking around with grave clothes on us. We're walking around stinking like death. We're walking around looking like death. We're walking around talking like death because we don't know what the resurrection really means for us. You see? What was the first thing? They, They all saw Lazarus coming out. I could—I I imagine people were freaking out. Oh, my gosh, like a zombie. I could see some of the people running. I could see other people just in awe, like, he's alive. Ah! You know, I could, imagine a guy who was dead beyond death. He was dead four days, all right? We can't open this tomb, Lord. By this point, he's decaying. He's decaying. He's not dead. He's like decaying dead. Jesus said, open the tomb. Come out, Lazarus. Come out. And there he came like a zombie. <laughs> Back from the dead, with grave clothes on him. What was the first thing Jesus said? Go and take those clothes off of him. He's no longer dead. You see, if you don't grasp this, you're going to walk around like Lazarus. If you do grasp this, you're going to begin. We're going to begin to live the kingdom life. We're going to begin to live life as Christ intended. So again, this is something I want to read this to you, okay? This is about the exaltation of Christ, his ascension. I'm going to just read this. Again, like I said, I, I got so much to give you this morning. I'm trying to move quickly. Follow me. Take a breath if you can. Just breathe in and get ready. This is good stuff. The ascension of Jesus Christ. The ascension of Christ into heaven is one of the most important events recorded in the New Testament. But though it occupies a very vital place in Scripture, it does not get a lot of attention today, especially among Christians. My guess is that you probably haven't read any books about it lately, or you haven't heard many sermons about it ever. Usually we focus on the crucifixion and the resurrection, but the ascension is just as pivotal, especially in the writings of Luke. So Luke wrote a two-part history of Christianity, right? He wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. Volume 1 is the gospel that bears his name, Luke. Volume 2, book of Acts. And the ascension was so important to Luke that he ended volume one with the ascension. That was that was the final chap the, the final verses he ended Luke with. But he begins Acts by reporting it again. Not the resurrection, the ascension. And he refers back to the ascension several times, several times over and over. Joel Green, a New Testament scholar who specializes in Luke's writings, he comments that Luke presents the exaltation of Jesus Christ as the ultimate salvation event. You heard that? Yes, the cross is glorious, and the empty tomb is amazing, but as Luke portrays it, the exaltation and ascension of Christ, which is the resurrection and ascension, is the ultimate salvation event. Now, why is that? For one thing, the ascension accounts for why his appearances uh, for 40 days, it it explains all the appearances for 40 days, why those ended, right? How he didn't continue to remain on earth. The ascension also foreshadowed the final event in salvation's history, Jesus' personal, physical, glorious return. It says in Acts 1, verse 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. But you see, there's more to it than that. For the ascension of Christ was also the climactic, crowning event of his exaltation and the necessary precursor to his continuing work through the Holy Spirit and the church. In Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter reflects on the resurrection and what? The ascension. He preaches the ascension of Jesus, guys. Psalm 16, Psalm 110 talks about it. The exaltation at the right hand of God. Christ being put at the right hand of God. Now here's what happens, okay? The significance of Jesus' exaltation. There's three main things we see in the Bible that if he was not exalted, he was not placed on the throne and he didn't return to heaven, these things would not have happened. But the significance of his ascension is this. Number one, the ascended and enthroned Christ can now pour out his Holy Spirit and upon the church. Jesus told his disciples that it was good for him to go away because only then he could send them the other helper, the Spirit of Truth, and that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. Ten days after Jesus' ascension, the Spirit descended. So if Christ did not ascend the Spirit would not have descended, right? If Christ wasn't on the throne ruling and reigning, He wouldn't be administering the gifts that He purchased for us on the cross. But that's exactly what happened. The Spirit descended on the church with power and inaugurated a whole new chapter of history and salvation. That's why Peter connects Jesus' exaltation and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see the connection? There's 2 th- They're very important. Uh, Peter preached this in Acts chapter 2 in his great sermon. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are now seeing and hearing. Number two, the 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 ascended and enthroned Christ applies the blessings of salvation. So having now accomplished redemption through His suffering on the cross... The risen and exalted Christ now applies the salvation He has won by granting gifts of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Peter also said in Acts, God exalted Christ to His right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. The ascended and enthroned Christ, number three, also cares for His suffering people as they bear witness to Him. We see this in Acts 7. Stephen becomes a martyr. The early church, you know, is basically preaching the gospel full of boldness, and they take this guy Stephen, they stone him to death. But he, full of the Spirit, he gazed into heaven. This is talking about Stephen when he was dying. And he saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus where? Standing at the right hand of God, exalted. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Why am I reading all this, guys? All of this should give us great encouragement. When we feel weak in ourselves, Luke reminds us that the exalted Christ has given us his spirit who equips us with power and boldness and courage that we need to accomplish our mission. When we feel paralyzed by fear, depression, anxiety, we can remember who's on the throne, guys. Who is on the throne when you flick on the news? Every time I turn it on, I get hit, man. Anxiety panic the world's coming to an end it's all over this is it this is so wicked how can it get more wicked than this how can it get more evil but then you can look up and remember that Christ is exalted amen you see why we need this ascension and exaltation in our life in our gospel in our understanding you need to know the whole truth because if you're missing pieces of it Your life's going to be missing pieces of power. The cross is glorious, guys. But Jesus Christ is no longer hanging there, dead man. Sorry, Catholics. (laughs) He's no longer hanging on the cross. He's not dead. The empty tomb is historic. It's a holy place. I've been there, I've seen it. But it's empty. Jesus ain't there, guys. You ain't going to go in there and see him. If you do, you're a heretic because you're claiming that you saw the second coming. He ain't hanging out in his tombs. He's not hanging out among the dead, right? He sits on a throne, guys. And from there, he rules and reigns. And from there, he pours out his Holy Spirit. And from there, he administers his mercy and grace. That's why we call it the throne of grace. You see, if you're, if you're going to the cross, I love the songs. I love the old rugged cross, and I cling to the old rugged cross. Like, this. crosses all over my house. But, the, you know, you might get stuck clinging to a cross and Christ ain't there, guys, is what I'm saying. You might get stuck looking at your little emblems and empty tombs, but guess what? He ain't there. You get what I'm going with this? Can I tell you where he is? He's seated at the right hand of Father God. That's where you need to be going. You need to be putting aside all your little emblems and knickknacks and 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 look to the Lamb and look to the throne. That's where he reigns. That's where he is. And you, if you look up, I'm getting ahead of myself here. You see, he sits high, but he looks low. Amen? And he reigns with all power and authority, but he showed us that he's a God of mercy and love. And it, it's amazing that this place where he's seated, here's where we're really getting to it. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 6. Let me just read that real quick. Ephesians 2, verse 6. Sorry, 5 and 6. Here we go. 4, 5 and 6. It's even better. But God who is rich in mercy, you can just turn back a page. If you're in Philippians still, go right back a page. Philippians 2. But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, even while we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together, and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so so this whole this whole this whole journey we've taken is to get us to this place where you understand where he is there you are also okay where Christ is that is where you are seated according to the Bible and this brings me to the meat of the matter which is called the resurrected life You see, there's the resurrected Christ, but there's the resurrected life. Easter is not just about Jesus being risen, guys. If you just if you if you get stuck there that he's risen, yes, that is the the crux of the matter. But what does that matter to you if it doesn't apply to you? How's that gonna change how's that gonna affect the world if you don't even believe it? You know what happened? It was interesting when I went to the tomb. This just came to my mind when I went to the tomb in Israel, that was like ten years ago. We went to Israel, me and my wife, and I thought, you know, I thought I'd have these crazy encounters with God, and it was, it was an amazing time, it was a very holy time of our life, we just got married, it was like our, one of our first honeymoons, and we're there in the holy city for four or five days, the holy city of Jesus, where you get to walk where Jesus walked, and see the place where he was crucified, and we went to the tomb where most likely, biblically, it could be actually the tomb and i get there you know we journey all the way from florida to finland and finland to israel and buses and trains and automobiles and planes and then we get to the the place where they laid him and you know you just go in and it's just this hole in the wall and you're like well where's the angels i don't see any angels (laughs) i'm like waiting for some divine encounter you know i go in there's no body jesus ain't there chilling you know there's just a sign he's not here (laughs) you came to the wrong place he's not here anymore he's risen and i was like wow that that was quite a journey for that lord you know it's just an old stony wall with a hole in it and i said well and then i stopped i started praying in that garden there and the lord told me you see you didn't need to come all the way here to see it you already believed and he's already right here living in you it's not about an empty tomb guys it's about a a filled throne room it's about a place now it's it's the place that he emptied is it's because he wants to fill you now that that that's what which was dead in you all those dead empty places in you now because he defeated sin and death he can come and fill you you see and see if christ truly died for our sins then sin is dead in me amen and if sin has lost its power and death has lost its sting then we can rejoice, we can have true hope. We can have true, eternal hope. And if Christ is truly risen, this is the application. Then He's risen in me, amen? He's alive in us. He's alive. This is the application of all these things, guys. And we get so stuck on our religious routines and, you know, circles. If Christ is truly exalted and seated on the throne, follow me now, how much should your entire existence be radically transformed and different? If he's truly exalted, if he's truly sitting on a throne with all authority and all power in heaven and on earth, then how much should you live differently? How much should you think differently? How much should you pray differently with more faith? You see, what does all this mean? What does all this mean, guys? To be exalted at the right hand, to be enthroned with Christ. I'm just gonna get, I'm just gonna get to preaching here. I was gonna read another thing from my phone. It's gonna take too long. But it's, to me, it's one of the saddest and worst things I see. Christians who Jesus paid such a high price for. And I see this very, very, very often. In my own life, I'm not bashing anyone, but churches all over the world. Remember, Mom, we went to big old church in Finland, Christmas. This was like coming to my flashbacks here. Christmas 2000, what was that, 20 or something, 2019. Church full of Christians. Christmas, uh, you know, Eve service. Thousands of Christians in Finland. And they walked in looking as dead as they walked out. They looked so uh, sad and miserable walking out as they did walking in. You were there too, Maddie, right? You can testify? Well, you've seen it. Yeah, you came later. My mom, this is how dead it was. My mom stood up, and she got the Holy Ghost. So she stood up. She looked around that room. As soon as they said amen, you know, some lady ministering, I don't know what she believed. She was preaching the gospel, thank God, but it had no power in it because it wasn't talking about this stuff. And it was just, you know, religious routine. And, and a thousand something people walk out and it, like zombies, just the way they came in. My mom looks around the room. She's like, see that man over there? That man way over there. He's got the Holy Ghost. I'm like, yes, he's our friend. He's an elder at another church. He's <laughs> like one man out of a thousand. She spotted him from across the room. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the only one in here probably born again and saved. I see him too. Yo, hey, brother, come over here. And he comes over with a big smile. Everyone else is leaving like a dead Walking cross-legged, cross-eyed, looking like a dead zombie. I said, "What in the world's wrong with these people? They don't know Jesus. They don't know the risen, exalted Lord. Who? What are you coming here for? Practicing your dead religion? He's alive or he's not. He's risen or he's nothing." Paul said, "If he has been not risen, then we are to be pitied more than all men. You're looking pity more than all men to me. So you don't really believe he's risen." You see, it's one of the saddest things I see. Christ paid such a high price for us and to give us such a high role, such a high position in his kingdom. And we're still wandering around, wallowing in the mud of the world, looking like a worldly, earthly fool. I wonder, you see, this to me, this ascension, this exaltation of Jesus, the resurrection and exaltation, I think if we don't get it and believe it in our hearts, it's one of the biggest reasons our, his followers, Jesus' followers, are still so carnal, sinful, lost, confused, and discontent wandering around earth. Like we got no clue who we really are. We just got no clue. We got no clue who he really is. We don't get it, guys. We don't get it. It's why so many of us still pray with such little faith, you know. oh, We're praying to this little God who's sitting on a very little throne. We look at the world around us. We think all the thrones of the world are bigger than his we're looking at all the problems we think it's all bigger than him oh god oh you know lord help us i remember this brother he was a prayer pastor he was a man of god he, w- he was teaching people to pray you know jesus taught his disciples teach me how to pray and he was listening to someone praying a service his name was don dukes remember brother don dukes old prayer warrior old brother in christ from back in the calvary days he's like at a prayer meeting trying to lead this thing and he heard someone just lord just you know lord just just help us out here lord just oh lord we're just here wallowing through the mud lord oh jesus oh lord and he just had to stop this person he's like listen listen god bless your heart just please stop they're like what do you mean i'm praying he goes you ain't praying to my god he goes god is bigger than just just lord oh just oh just lord oh just 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 god is not just he's bigger than just amen He's an amazing, holy, awesome, almighty God, and He's alive. Don't we get it? He's seated on the throne. Don't we see it? He's high and He's exalted. All of us need to get up and start worshiping Him. We need to praise Him every morning. We need to sing and dance and rejoice in the victory that Jesus is lifted high. He didn't just die and rise. He's higher than the resurrection. He's exalted. And he calls you to rise with him, Christian. That's the key. That's the key of the resurrection life. We were singing it in the song. You see, there's resurrection power in the name of Jesus. We were singing it this morning. Come awake. Come awake. Come and rise up from the grave for Christ is risen from the dead. You see, guys, there's resurrection power in Jesus. There's resurrection power to break every chain. Amen? to lift every weight, to free you from every sin, to loose every addiction. There's enough power in this place right now to break all depression, to remove every fear, to wipe away every tear and to fill you with joy. There's a resurrected Lord and he has resurrection power. You can feel it even as I'm preaching. It's just being released. Resurrection power, resurrection power, resurrection power. You see, he wants to take you. If you're weak, he'll give you He'll strength. He'll make you run and fly so high, he'll touch the sky, amen? He He wants to get you higher, Christian. I used to be a stoner. I used to love getting high. But when I met the most high, I quit getting high on drugs, amen? He wants to take you and put you in the high places like the eagles. It talks about that all through scripture. Does anybody want to live higher than you're living now? Does anybody feel, I don't know about you guys, maybe it's just me, but anybody feel like you're still crawling around on earth like a little old earthling, when Christ has called you higher to be seated with Him in heavenly places, does anyone believe He's risen? He's risen, so then you should get up and rise with Him. Whew, hallelujah! I want to preach right now, man. I didn't. I didn't. Call, I don't know if you came here to be a spectator, but you're in the wrong place. <laughs> I don't know if you came to hear a repeat sermon, another Easter message. Just tell me about the tomb, the empty tomb, you know, that thing. But the church has been talking about that for 2,000 years. I'm wondering, who's getting it? Is anyone getting it? Is anyone getting why he's left that tomb? Ephesians 5, it says, Arise, O sleeper, awake. Arise and awake that Christ may shine upon you. It's time for us to get to the heights of God, guys. See, everybody here, we always talk about the depths. Everybody talking about the depths, right? Deep cries out to deep cries out to the deep calls unto the deep. Everybody, you know, stirring up deep, deep wells. Come on, help me out, guys. Stirring up deep, deep water. Everyone wants to go deeper in God, right? What about going higher, baby? Come on, somebody. I want to go higher. I want to go up. I want to be where he is. I want to be seated with him. Why are we getting raptured, church? We're not going this way. We're not going that way. We're going up. You get where I'm going with this? I want to talk to somebody today. I don't know if you're watching online. It's time to rise up. Rise up out of that depression. Rise up out of that addiction. Rise up out of that little state of Christian living, this little worldly Christian living lifestyle you're in, and rise up in Christ. Rise up in Christ Jesus. Start living in power. Start living in authority. Start living and walking in love and the way that Jesus paid for you to live. These are the things I want to talk about, guys. And these are the things God put in my heart to share with you. All right, so I'm going to come back down to earth for a minute for reality. Just give me a few more minutes here. I'm going to give you seven. Some some of you like these little practical tips. I'm going to give you seven glorious things that if you live the resurrected life, your life should be marked by these seven things. I'm just going to go through them real quick. We're going to close the message in a moment with prayer. Whew, I'm, I'm I'm just ready to rise. I feel alive now. Look, I don't care. That stuff ain't in my notes. My notes ain't important. What's important is that Christ rises in you, and you leave this place not looking like a Lazarus zombie, but you leave here... Full of God. Full of life. Amen? So seven things, guys. Seven things that the resurrected life is marked by. Okay? And, and watch. Do, a, do an examination of your life right now. Let's do some practical examinations. This is going to take five minutes. I'm going to go through this quickly. This is what the resurrected life looks like. Number one, power. If you have been born again... If you claim to follow Jesus Christ, if you claim to believe in the Lord Jesus, this, this almighty God who defeated sin and death and is sitting at the throne at the right hand of God, then your life should be marked with power. Acts verse 1, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said to go to, the, he told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for power from on high from the Holy Spirit. Remember, he ascended so that he can pour out and the Holy Spirit could descend on us. The resurrected life, your life as a Christian should be marked by supernatural power and abilities to do the will of God, to do the work of God, even when you can't, excuse me. I was praying the other day. We have this massive crusade. We're, we're talking about, uh, this is just a side note. We're talking about doing a, we've been praying for years. We've been planning and organizing a crusade in Brazil. Next year, it's coming. It's coming. You guys are going to see a whole city shaking. You guys are going to see thousands, we, we, we're believing that we're going to reach a million people for Jesus Christ with the gospel, with the whole gospel. We're going to reach a million people for Jesus Christ in Brazil next year. I don't know about you, but when I get, I, we, we got a prophet in our team. This guy sees stuff that you won't believe, and he gets numbers and everything, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, my knees are just shaking. I'm on the ground weeping over there, and we took a little time to pray. I'm like, God, this is way bigger than me. I can't do this. But then the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon me and I just feel this this super charge from heaven and I I, I know me okay I could barely get out of the morning without complaining anymore I'm I, you know'm I'm, I'm getting there guys I'm hitting 40 a couple more years I'm not a spring I'm spring chicken to you guys, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore okay I'm just being honest I feel it <laughs> I feel it. I got to stretch now and stuff. I'm like, why am I walking like this, man? My back's all, uh, let me stretch, you know? But, but I don't feel the ability like I had in my 20s. Let's just put it that way, right? And I, don't, I know I can't accomplish this without God, but I get on my face. I get on my face and I begin to weep and I got this team and we're praying and we're seeking the Lord together and then the power of God comes upon us. And then we can scale mountains and we can crush giants and we can do anything he calls us to do, amen? That's what the life of... And you guys are all be could be a part of this in Brazil, but this is what our life should be marked with, power. Next one, love, too. I got to keep going. Or we'll be here all day. Number two, love. In Acts 2, verse 42 through 47, I'm just... You can take notes. I'm not going to read it all. But it talks about how when the Holy Spirit came and the Christ was ascended, the church was just filled with power but also this love this unconditional agape love they had this love for one another where they would sell everything they had and no one had need of anything it says isn't that crazy how how can we as a church look like that it's it's by the resurrected life you see and it says they loved one another so Undescribably, it was this agape, this unconditional love that was poured out upon them. And their lives were marked with love. It says everywhere they went, they just, people knew. All these crazy people in the Roman world, they just knew, man, these are Christians, man. They look like Jesus. They, they love one another. They care about each other. You know, I remember when the pandemic, this was back in the Roman days, there was a pandemic, right? And all the people were betraying each other and didn't want to help. They, they were afraid of this thing. It was a different kind of pandemic. They were afraid of this thing. Everyone's dying. You know who was going to the sick? The Christians. You know who wasn't afraid of death? The Christians. You know who wasn't afraid to love their neighbor even though they were a pagan worshiping a false god? The Christians. You see? Love. That's how our life should be marked. Number three, faith. So wherever there was doubt and fear, God will enable the new believer to live with faith and hope. Galatians 2.20 says this. This is my life verse. For I've been crucified with Christ... And it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. In this life I now live, I live by faith. By faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So wherever we had doubt, fear, hopelessness, God gives believers faith and hope. Number four, unity. Don't worry, there's only 24 of these guys. I'm just joking. <laughs> there's only seven. Number four, unity in the, in the resurrected life. There's a supernatural unity and fellowship that marks the people of God, that gives a family, and, you know, no matter what we're going through, no matter what the, if the world stops turning, you know, there's a, a special supernatural unity that God gives. You ever met a believer just at a store, just at a random place, right? And you don't know their name, you don't know what their background is, nothing. And then you're just something in you, the Holy Ghost, is connecting with the Holy Spirit in them. And you're just like, what? Sometimes when I feel that, I just ask them, You're a Christian, ain't you? you? You know Jesus. They're like, How'd you know? I'm like, I got the same Holy Spirit, my man. Same Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's this koinonia that you can't create. You understand? Even though you have 100 prayer meetings and you fast 50 days, you can't create unity. It comes from God, it comes from being born again and washed in the blood. And that marks our lives. That's why we gather together. It's not a religious duty we have to do every week, it's because we love one another. And God's Spirit dwells in all of us. Number five, victory. Uh, if you're taking note, great. If not, you could take a picture of this later. So, power. Number one, love, faith, unity. Number five, victory. The Bible gives. The Bible says that we have victory over everything as Christians. Everything we have victory over sin. We have victory over Satan. We have victory over the world. John 16:33. Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. For in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, Christ overcame the world. Christ overcame sin. Christ overcame death. And if you're in Christ, then what are you? An overcomer. Amen. Number six, a heavenly life. The resurrected life is marked by a heavenly life. Colossians 3, I had you guys holding your place there. Let's just go ahead and read. This will be the last verse we read, and we'll go into the call. So Colossians 3, this is the key verse for the, the resurrected life. Verse 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ. So there's an if here, okay? Circle that if, because this applies to those who are born again not those who are not. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. See where it places Him? Set your mind on the things above, not on the things below. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? It gives you a heavenly life, even though you're on earth, Even though we're here, our spirit is one united with Christ there. Even though we live here physically, we live in a different reality spiritually than the people around us. The last thing, it gives you joy. So these are the markings of a Christian life. Power, love, faith, unity, a victorious life, a heavenly life, a joy-filled life. I won't go into all that one, but there are streams of joy that come from God's throne. It's called the river of gladness, amen. I don't know if you ever took a little drink from the river of gladness, but it's good. (laughs) It's good water, makes you happy, fills your belly. Jesus said what? Those who are born again, those who believe in me, rivers of life will come out of your belly. Rivers of joy. So we see this in, in the life of the disciples. This is kind of bringing us right to closing, guys. Just a minute. We see all these Realities in the life of the disciples pre-resurrection and exaltation, right? So before Christ rose, before He went back to heaven, we see how faithless the disciples were or how weak in their faith they were. We see how afraid and not bold they were. We see that they were not uniting. They were always competing and fighting against each other. We see how they were losing battles and not winning victoriously. We see how they were very worldly and earthly still in their thinking and not heavenly. And we see how sad and sorrowful they were Pre-resurrection, right? What were they doing when Jesus rose and he found him in the room? What were they doing? Oh, Jesus, we lost him. We gave everything for him. Oh they were mourning. They were miserable. Peter, oh, I betray I denied him three times. Oh. They were looking at themselves, they were looking at their failures, they were looking at all the stuff around them, their circumstances and then jesus comes in the room right his resurrection and exaltation changed all of that guys they went from faithless to bold and strong they went from being afraid to courageous and preaching of the gospel they stopped competing and fighting with one another and they were united and loving one another they were no longer losing all these battles they were victorious They no longer were earthly minded. They were heavenly and they no longer were sorrowful and miserable. They were joyful and happy. So in closing, I want to give this call to everyone here, to everyone watching. Yes, the cross is beautiful. It is the emblem of our salvation. It is the place where Christ died, but it's vacant. The tomb is glorious and it's holy and it's the thing that we remember on Easter morning on Resurrection Day, but it's, The tomb is empty. The Lord is not still dead or hanging on a tree. And the Lord is not still lying in a tomb somewhere in Israel. Christ is risen. And He's exalted to His throne. And the throne of heaven is not vacant or empty. It's full of His glory. And He is alive. He is risen and He is seated there. So you can receive all that He purchased for you in His death and resurrection. So where are you this morning, people? I want to ask you all individually, online, here today, wherever you are, have you encountered this resurrected Jesus Christ personally? Are you really living, now here's the evidence of it, are you really living the resurrected life, those seven things we just talked about? Is your life marked by those seven things I would, I would venture to say, if not, if your life is not marked by those seven things, I don't know if you've truly encountered the resurrected Christ or you truly know Him. But see, today, you can call upon this wonderful Jesus and be saved. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen? Because He lives, you can also have eternal life. He will answer you from heaven. He will answer your call. You can leave all your sins and shame behind. You can leave them at the cross where he died for you. And he will take them all away. The Bible says if any man, Jesus said, if any man comes to me, I'll never cast him away. The Bible says though your sins are red like crimson, come to me and I'll wash you and make you whiter than snow. And because he's exalted and ascended on high, all your fears and all your doubts can be removed all your earthly carnality and confusion can be gone you can begin to live a true resurrected life today and so i want to pray with you i want to close with that i have nothing more to say but jesus christ will enable you to walk if you've so maybe you've never encountered this jesus this amazing living lord i'm going to invite you right now to encounter him with us and be saved and give your life to him but maybe you've heard maybe you've been a christian many years maybe you're listening i I venture to say that most people listening to me are christians and maybe you've heard the resurrection story over and over and you've heard the gospel message over and over but then you looked at those seven things i talked about and you're like wait a second where's my resurrected life where's the resurrected christ living in me i don't i'm not experiencing power in my life I'm not experiencing the love of God and peace and unity with other believers and and joy where there's sorrow. So this is a moment for every one of us right now to lay it all before the Lord and encounter Him. To be saved, or if you're already a born-again Christian, to give your life fully to Him and receive the resurrected life He has for you. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. I'm gonna address both you, both groups. I'm gonna pray. You guys can pray with me. But if you're the first, if you're in that first group online, maybe you're watching or here. If you're in that first group of people that have never received Jesus as Lord, today is your day of salvation. He died for you. Would you live for Him? Would you give your life to Him? I want you to pray with me. Just like it's called a sinner's prayer, but it, the prayer is not what matters. It, the, what matters is you open your heart to the Lord. You give your life to Him and He will come in and wash you clean and change you. So, if you've never received Him, I want you to pray with me today and just say, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before You and I believe this message that I heard today. I believe that You came to this earth, that You lived a perfect life, and that You died. A sinner's death. You died in my place. And Jesus, today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, all the things I've done. And I ask you to cleanse me, to wash away all my sin, to give me a new life, and all these great promises that I heard today. Right now, Jesus, I believe in you. Just confess this with your mouth. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose again. I ask you to cleanse me of all sin. I give you my life. I turn from my sins. I repent, and I surrender my life to you. Please, Lord Jesus, save me now. Save me today. And I thank you for loving and saving me. In your holy name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If that was you, I want to talk to you one minute. If that was you online, maybe you're in this room. Just stay in prayer. This is a very holy moment. If, if you're watching online and you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or you prayed it for the first time meaning it, I want you to call Pastor Joe. I want you to call Freedom Church. I want you to understand there's a family of god you've become a part of right now you've become a part of a family of faith you've received jesus in your life as lord and savior and every promise we talked about today it's all yours because of what he did for you and he loves you dearly i want you to call us though and contact us so that we can connect you and as we close i just want to pray one more time for i know we've gone a little long here but i just want to pray lastly for the um the christians out there who are listening the believers who are here that that something in you has sparked when when it comes to the resurrection life that you saw these things and you realize wait i'm not living like this i something's missing i'm just going to take 1 minute and pray for you guys heavenly father i just ask you right now to transform believers transform believers god help us help me lord Help us all right now. We confess, God, that we do not understand who you are fully. And we are so off sometimes, Lord. But you are God, and we want to know you. We want to believe truly in who you are. And we want to walk in the power and the love and the great things that you have in store for us, God. So right now, I pray for myself. I pray for my family. I pray for all the believers gathered here. I pray for all the believers who are seeking your face this morning, God, that you will show them, the power of the resurrected Christ and the resurrected life, that you will impart to them the Holy Spirit, that they may begin and be able to walk in your ways and live in a way that pleases you and live on earth as it is in heaven and live on earth as Christ lived. God, I pray right now for believers just all across America, if believers would just believe and believers would just arise and awake, God, in this final hour. We will see a shaking like we've never seen before, God. So we pray right now for the church of Christ Jesus to arise in this hour of darkness from a sleeping state, from awake from the do- awaken from the dawn and arise, that your light would shine upon your bride today, God. That this resurrection day wouldn't just be another Easter Sunday, but it would be a resurrection moment for our lives, God, as your church. That we would truly live for you. That we would truly walk with you. That we would truly see, God, your will accomplished in our lives, Father. God, we want to do what pleases you, and we want to walk in a way that Jesus did. So, Lord, thank you. Fill us right now before we go. Just fill us all afresh. And we worship you, God. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Be filled with joy and love. And that's it for me. (laughs) If you're online, please contact us. Pastor Joe, do you want to give them anything? The website, maybe? So our our website is freedomchurchpb.org. If you guys did receive Christ or you want prayer, please contact us. Please come visit us, and God bless you all.